All right, we are nearing the end of our series on the book of Acts. How many of y'all have enjoyed this series? Come on. We are in Acts 26. If you got a Bible, go to Acts 26. Come on. Verse 2, Paul the Apostle is on trial for his faith. He, last week we left off that he was facing trials based on accusations that weren't true. He had been lied about, slandered, betrayed, and he had been thrown in prison and left in prison, uh, and, and it was a tough thing because he didn't deserve any of this. And so he appeals to the highest court. He goes, he's on his way towards Rome, but he hasn't left Caesarea yet. So he's still in Israel. He's still in Caesarea. He hasn't gotten on a boat sailing for Italy. We're going to find out what happens next, next week in Acts 27. But before he goes, he's standing in trial, on trial, before the king uh, of that area. The king of Israel at that time was named King Agrippa. And he was appointed by the Roman Empire. And he had heard about all the different things that the Jews had accused Paul of. And so he wanted to hear for himself, what did Paul have to say? And he was presented to, to Paul uh, from Festus, the governor at that time of Caesarea. And so King Agrippa says to Paul, you have permission to speak. Speak what's on your mind. So Paul motions with his hand and he gets everybody quiet. He, his very first words are this, I think myself happy. And I want to preach to you that message today. I think myself happy. Turn to someone next to you and say, I think myself happy. Come on, today is a great day to get your happiness back, to get your joy back, to get your laughter back, to get your smile back. Some of us, we were feeling stressed. We were feeling a little cranky. We were feeling a little overwhelmed. But today, I believe the word that God has for you, for me, for everyone who's watching online is to think yourself happy. Lord, speak to us today on that word. And God, let us leave different than the way we came in. Let us leave, God, with just hope in our hearts, joy in our spirit. God, that we would be a witness of your love to everyone around us. And God, that we would not live our lives with misery, with depression, with discouragement, with fear, with shame. But Lord, we would live with that happy, that true joy in our hearts, God, and that love for you and for everyone around us. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. Well, Abraham Lincoln once said that a man is about as happy as he makes up his mind to be. A man is about as happy as he makes up his mind to be. In other words, happiness is not contingent on what happens to me. It's what I decide on the inside for me. Paul the apostle was faced with all kinds of reasons to not be happy. People had not treated him right. He was in an unfair trial. He was left in prison for a political game. Felix was trying to win the approval of the Jewish people to vote him back in office as governor. It didn't work out. Paul's left in prison for two years. People wanted to kill Paul everywhere he went. He had reasons to be angry, to be sad, to be miserable, to complain, to go, God, why do I have this life? And yet he said, I think myself happy. Happiness is a choice. And I, I think some of us in the room, we go, I just don't know that God wants us to be happy, Paul. I don't know that happy is really a, a good biblical word. Well, my Bible tells me that the people whose God is the Lord, they're a happy people. Psalm 144 says, happy are the people whose God is the Lord. How many of y'all have God as the Lord of your life? So if God's the Lord of your life, then God's will for your life is for you to be happy. 
And you go, well, I don't know. I think God might want us to be sad. I think God might want us to be depressed, discouraged. What is the opposite? Think about the alternative. Anytime someone says, Paul, I don't know that I want to be part of a happy, clappy, you know, fake. I'm not talking about fake happiness. I'm talking about real joy on the inside. And, and sometimes people go, well, you know, I do have joy, Paul. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And I'm like, tell your face to catch up with that. Because some of us got the RBF. We got the resting believer's face. And we're just like, you're like the cover girl for the Book of Lamentations. Like, we're just mad. We come to church like it's a funeral every week. And we're like, my best days. They're right in front of me. I have victory. This is so cheesy. And it's like, God wants you to have joy in your life, not just for your sake, but you're a better witness when you're joyful. Like you're better in your workplace. You're better for your family. You're better for your school, your university, your neighborhood. If we are the light of the earth and we're the salt of the earth and God wants us to shine bright and God wants us to be salty, he doesn't mean like be salty, salty. He means like be joyful, salty, like to, to bring a flavor to the earth that brings hope, that brings life, that brings love. How are we supposed to do that if we're all miserable? He didn't, he's not coming back for a bride that's miserably divided against herself. Jesus is returning for a bride that's radiant, that's joyful, that's, that's full of life. It's full of hope. This is why Paul the apostle had to remind himself, I think myself happy because money can't buy happiness. Circumstances can't fix happiness. Some people say, I'll be happy once this happens. I'll be happy when I get married. I'll be happy when my kids are back in church. I'll be happy once we have children. I'll be happy once our children grow up and move out of the house. I'll be happy once this thing turns around. But if you can't be happy today, you won't be happy tomorrow. If we can't be happy in this season, we won't be happy in the next season. If our happiness is contingent on circumstances, then we're going to be on a roller coaster of either inflation, like the economy, or deflation, based on what's going on, who's in office, what's happening in our lives. But the Bible gives us a blueprint for sustainable happiness, steady joy, that no matter what's going on around me, I don't have to just smile when there's a camera, when there's a selfie. And, and sometimes I see this. I've done this before. It's like, let's take a picture. <sighs> Once the picture's over, it's like, thank God I don't have to smile anymore. You know, and our smile is fake. It's just for the camera. But I want a sustainable happiness. I don't want a fake happiness. I don't want to just pretend to be happy. I want it to be real. Somebody said, keep it real. Keep it real. There was a true story about this older man whose wife had just died, uh, so he was a widowed man, and, and his kids had not visited him in years. It had been over a decade. His grandkids had not come to see him. He was 90 years old. He had lost his sight. He was blind, true story, and he had to move into a nursing home, but he had no one to help him, so he packed up what he could. He had memorized his, his uh, little apartment where he lived, and he packed up what he had into a suitcase, called a cab, the cab came and helped him walk down from his apartment and carry his suitcase and get it in the cab. And the cab driver said, don't you have anyone to help you? He said, no, I haven't. My kids haven't visited me in a long time. My grandkids haven't visited me. My wife just passed away this past year. And the cab driver was thinking, man, this is sad. This is a really sad situation. But the man seemed chirpy. He seemed cheerful. He seemed like it was all okay. He said, no, no worries. It's all good. 
So the cab driver was confused. He's a blind man, he's widowed, hasn't seen his kids, no one's here to help him. He's 90 years old, he's all by himself. He's gotta move into a nursing home all by himself. The nurse meets him at the front of the nursing home. She starts walking him down the hall and he goes, I love it, I love it, I love it. And she goes, you love what? He goes, I love this whole place. She said, you're blind, you haven't even seen it. He said, I don't have to see it to love it. She said, why are you so happy? He said, because I've decided to be happy. I've decided to be happy. She said, aren't you sad? Like, you should be miserable as blank. Like, she's cussing. She's like, you should be mad that your kids haven't seen you. No one's here to help you. You're all by yourself. He said, no, no, no. I've decided to be happy. I've decided. If I'm going to live my life, I might as well not waste it in misery. If it's up to me to be happy, I might as well make the decision to be happy. Did you know that research has proven that people who are happier, they work, they work better, they work smarter, they're, even, uh, they're better in school, they're better in the business round. Productivity among people who are happy at work are 31% more productive than people who aren't. The sales go up by 37% for those people who are happy at their workplace. Accuracy on tasks increases 19%, and they realize that most people get happier as it gets closer to Friday. That people, the happiness increases Thursday afternoon, Friday, everybody's like, yes! Monday, everybody's like, ugh, I need 10 cups of coffee, you know? But here's the thing, if we can choose, this is what Paul had to do in Acts 26, he had to choose that even though I'm surrounded by painful circumstances, I think myself happy. I think, somebody say, I think myself happy. Psalm 30 verse five says, though weeping may last for the night, his joy comes in the morning. Proverbs 17, says, a merry heart is like medicine for your body. In other words, being joyful makes you healthier. And you might be here today going, I don't know, Paul, I just, I grew up in church where God wants us to be poor, broke, sad, miserable, depressed, and that's how we're going to be a good witness in the world, is if we're just poor, broke, sad, depressed, angry, defeated, divided, you know, just, you know, like starting 31,000 different denominations. No, God wants us united. He wants us joyful. He wants us radiant. He wants us full of life. John 10 verse 10 says, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. The God that I worship does not say, I want you to be depressed and more depressed, abundantly depressed, defeated, discouraged, angry, afflicted, addicted, the victim. No, my Bible says God wants me to walk in victory, that I'm the head and not the tail, that I'm more than a conqueror, that greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world, which means that come hell or high water, I can think myself happy because happiness is an inside job. It's a deep work. It's hard work to be happy. It's hard work. Like, it's hard work for me to be happy. I came in this morning, and I was kind of stressed because the toilets back there where the kids are started overflowing, and there was poop everywhere, and it was stinky, and I had to use the restroom, and I was like, who is the mystery pooper that just messed up the bathrooms out there? And it was stressing me out because I was a little bit late coming into church service. I wanted to worship, but I was late. And so now I'm frustrated because I'm late. This happened a week ago too. A week ago, our kids come running into church. Gianna, our, our youngest baby, we got five. 
So just pray for our happiness, but it's good. Every kid makes us happier, but also, also comes with that some, some things we got to work through. So Gianna comes in, she has a blowout. If you don't know what a blowout is, someday you will know what a blowout is. If you get married and have kids, a blowout is when the diaper explodes and it just goes everywhere. This happened a week ago. The boys come running into church service as I'm getting ready to preach and they are laughing. They're like, Gianna just had a blowout. They were late to church. So they come running up on stage. We got a picture of them. They're all up here and Mac is just ecstatic about it. He's got this big, happy, smiley face. And I'm stressed. I'm like, we're, we're doing serious work up here. We're doing the victory confession. Daddy's preaching. And God's like, chill out, bro. Chill out. The church needs to be happy. The church needs to laugh more. The church needs to smile more. This is not a funeral we're coming to every week. This is a celebration to come to church. You need to get some Mac inside you. So I want to give you seven ways to think yourself happy based on Acts 25 and Acts 26. Number one, I think myself happy by thinking thankful thoughts. Everybody say, think thankful thoughts. That's the only point where all three words begin with TH. So that's a pretty cool point. I just want to point that out. Think thankful thoughts. Most people are not happy because they are complaining about what's not working in their lives who left, who did them wrong, what they deserve, and we live with such an entitlement. An entitlement robs you of happiness. I would rather be embarrassingly grateful than snobbishly entitled. I would rather just be thanking, man, just thank. Can I just say thank you for coming to church today? It means a lot that you showed up on the back row to the front row. Whether you ever give a penny to this church, I'm just glad you came. I like seeing you. I like being around you. I'm thankful that you came. I'm thankful for my wife. I'm thankful for my kids. I'm thankful that my kids have blowout diapers. Why? Because that makes them healthy. That means they're eating some food or they wouldn't be pooping. I'm thankful even for the poop. I'm thankful that we got toilets out there. I'm thankful that we have an air conditioning system so that when it breaks, I'm reminded that at least we got one. Uh, how many of y'all in this room have at least one pair of shoes? You got at least one pair of shoes. How many of y'all got more than one pair? Raise your hand if you got more than one pair. Y'all are elite. You are wealthy. Did you know there's five billion people on planet Earth that don't have a pair of shoes, but you got a pair of shoes? Some of y'all got three pairs of shoes. How many of y'all got transportation? You got a car. It may not work all the time, but you at least got one. You got a bike, you got rollerblades, you got feet, you can walk, you got a reason to give thanks. How many of y'all are married? Where's the married people at? Come on. How many of y'all got kids? You're like, yeah. <laughs> How many of you are alive? You got breath in you. Come on. I think myself happy by thinking thankful thoughts. Look at Acts 25. Three days after arriving in the province, Festus went up from Caesarea to Jerusalem, and the chief priest and the Jewish leaders appeared before him, and they presented more charges against Paul. Hold up. This happens chapter after chapter where the Jewish people are angry at Paul. They are stuck in the same old season, the same old story. They haven't moved on. Paul's moved on, but the same guys who wanted to kill Paul two chapters ago, here they are two years later, and they're going, we still want to kill Paul. They haven't let go of their offense. They haven't let go of their anger. Some of us are still not happy because we are living in a story from two years ago. And we are sitting and we're just thinking about, we're in church 
and we're going, I, I can't believe they did that to me. And we're going, who's they? These people from five years ago. Five years ago. I just can't get over it, Paul. I just can't get over it. And it's stealing your joy. Well, Paul, I just, I've been analyzing this. You are in the paralysis of analysis. You are way too much in your head. You're complaining. You're angry. You're frustrated. You can't let it go. These Jewish people could not let go of the fact that Paul, in their minds, was sacrilegious. That in their minds, he, he brought a Gentile into the temple, and they thought only Jews were allowed into the temple, and they're just angry at Paul. And so they've got a whole boycott system. They're emailing each other. We got to boycott Paul. We got to boycott this group and that group. And they're just angry believers. And I wonder if there's so many angry believers right now that are angry at what the president did, angry at the government, angry at old churches, angry at old situations, just stuck in an angry story. And yet Paul goes, I think myself happy. And they're like, we hate you even more this happy Paul. You know what? It's time to get past whatever it is that's been robbing you of joy. Stop living in misery. Pain is inevitable, but misery is optional. I'm going to experience pain. I'm going I'm to experience reasons to be upset, frustrated, but I can still be thankful. And a thankful spirit makes me a happier person. And being a happier person makes me a better witness. And I'm not saying you can't be a good witness by crying and, and feeling sad. There is, there is, I mean, there is a sense of, of relatability when I walk through pain and I lament. There's a whole book on lamentations. And I'm not saying we shouldn't grieve because there's seasons to weep. There's seasons to grieve. Just don't get stuck in a season for your whole life. Just don't get stuck in a place where you go, I'm still grieving and it's been 10 years. It's time to move forward. God said this to Samuel, the prophet, because Samuel had chosen in his mind the wrong king, Saul. And in 1 Samuel 16, he says, how long are you going to keep on mourning, Samuel? I've chosen a new king for Israel. His name's David. It's time to fill your horn with oil and move on from the grief. At some point, we begin to move forward. And the way we do that, the way we do that is we think ourselves happy by thinking thankful thoughts. Give Thanks. Number two, I think myself happy by thinking forgiving and redemptive thoughts. Who do you need to forgive? Some of us were, were hung up on what didn't work out, even, even our own mistakes. It, we haven't forgiven ourselves. We've received God's forgiveness, but we haven't released it towards ourselves. So we're thinking still frustrated, still upset about situations. But what if you begin to think redeeming thoughts, redemptive thoughts, that God's going to work this out for good, that God forgives you, that God forgives them? James chapter one says, consider it pure joy when you walk through trials, tests, troubles, difficulties, because in these moments, God is producing something good in you. A redemptive thought is that God's going to work out something good. For Paul, while he's walking through these accusations, while he's left in prison, and then he's facing King Agrippa and Festus and Felix. He's got to remind himself, God forgives the people who've hurt me because God forgives me. See, Paul was a terrorist before he was a preacher. He killed Christians for a living. He would pull Christians out of prayer meetings and he would throw them in jail and then he would sentence them to death. 
So in order to move on, he had to write the book of Philippians where he says, fix your thoughts on things that are praiseworthy, things that are redemptive, that God's going to redeem my past, that God's going to give me a better future. There was a famous artist in Italy in the early 1900s. His name was John Sargent, and he was waiting at the train station to get on the train, and he found out the train was running late. And so all the passengers who were waiting at the train station, they started complaining. They're pacing back and forth. Can't believe this delay. We've been sitting here for hours. But John Sargent, he pulls out his easel. He sets it up. He pulls out his paintbrushes, and he begins to paint. He looks across from the train station, and there's this scene of a yoke of oxen out on the street. And he starts painting this yoke of oxen in the middle of a delay. He turned a delay into a masterpiece. He redeemed the time. Instead of getting angry that he was delayed, that he was going to wait, he ended up making a painting that sold for millions of dollars. What are you doing while you're waiting on things to turn around? While Paul was waiting on a trial to turn around, he turned his trial into a masterpiece. He, he painted a beautiful masterpiece by learning to be happy even in a harsh season. You can bloom wherever you're planted. I remember I was working for this camp many years ago in Maryland, and one day I woke up early in the morning for a jog, and I was jogging down the street, and I was missing home. I had been living in, in Maryland right outside of Washington, D.C. for about three months, and I was thinking, man, I just can't wait to get back home. I'm going to be so happy when I see dad and mom, when, when, we, when, when I'm surrounded by my family and close friends. And I was looking forward just to just all of, all of that season. I had been in Maryland now for three months. I had one more month left. And as I was jogging, I was thinking about even just missing being able to sleep in my own bed. Because this place where I was working, I had, to, I had to live. I lived in a room with 12 guys. 12 of us shared a room. Uh, and it was a small room. There were six bunk beds. And every bunk bed was taken. We had one bathroom. And y'all, the toilet got messed up multiple times. 12 dudes were all 19 years old. And it, was, it stunk. The, I mean, we, we had to work in the morning from 6 a.m. We would wake up get on a bus, go to work, work at this camp, get back at 6 p.m. And, and we worked Monday through Friday. They paid us $1.30 an hour, $1.30 an hour. It was illegal, but I'm just saying, I, we all signed up for it. We were all good with it. Basically, they, they took care of our room and board so that there was a blessing there, except for the room and board was kind of rough. So, I'm, you know, I was running, I'm jogging. I'm just thinking, man, I can't wait to go back home. Can't wait. I'm gonna be happy once I get home. I'm going to be happy once I have my own bed, once I have a shower that's hot. I'm going to be happy. And I looked over across this field, and the whole field was brown, but there was one sunflower that was blooming in the middle of this brown field. And I just stopped, and I was staring at that sunflower that was blooming in the midst of this whole brown field. And there were guys that I lived with that were mean. They were rude. I would be whistling. I'd be singing. And they'd be like, stop the whistling. Stop the singing. There's not a reason to whistle right now. And there were people that were frustrating to work with. Have you ever worked in an environment where you were just like, man, it just feels frustrating. I'm around people that aren't easy to work with. But when I saw that sunflower, I saw that sunflower. I heard the Lord say, you can bloom wherever you're planted. You, can, you don't have to have perfect surroundings to shine like that sunflower. That sunflower was shining radiantly, even in a field where everything around it was dead and dying. It's not up to other people's attitudes to determine my attitude. 
It's not up to other circumstances out here to determine. It's an inside job. My joy is my job, but I've got to think redemptive and forgiving thoughts. Number three, I think myself happy by thinking hope-filled thoughts. So Paul stands before them in Acts 26, and in and, and verse six, he says, it is now because of my hope. Somebody say, my hope. My hope in what? Paul says in Acts 26, verse 6, it is because of my hope in what God has promised that I stand on trial today. In other words, he said, I'm, I'm thinking myself happy by, by anchoring my hope in the promises of God. My hope is not in whether the Jewish council accepts me, whether uh, Nero, who was at that time the Caesar of the Roman Empire, whether Nero uh, pardons me, whether or not King Agrippa agrees with me, my hope is in the promises of God. And the promises of God are, are strong and firm. They are yes and amen, regardless of the economy, regardless of inflation, regardless of what's going on in the school system, regardless of who's in office. My hope is not based on what happens in America. My hope is in a kingdom that is not of this world. My hope is a firm, unshakable foundation. And when I think hope-filled thoughts, Hope-filled thoughts is God's working it out. If people ask you, hey, when are you going to get married? When are things going to turn around? When is, when is that miracle going to happen? I don't know, but it's going to happen soon. God's good. Well, what's going on in that situation? Well, God's working all things together. For, well, how do you know? Well, I just know the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Well, when is that thing going to turn around? I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. God's a good God. Well, isn't he the one that caused the pain? No, God is not the author of your pain. God is not the one who sends cancer, sickness, disease, tornadoes, COVID. I've heard people say, you know, I think God wanted to punish Christians, so he sent COVID on them. I think God wanted to punish Oklahoma, so he threw tornadoes on that town. I think God wanted to punish that person's family, so he gave them lymphoma cancer. God is not the author of sickness, tornadoes, hurricanes, COVID-19. He says, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. There is a thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, it, but it is not your father in heaven. He's a good God. So you can anchor your hope in a God who is not bipolar about his decision for your life. He says, I know the thoughts that I have for you. My thoughts are to bless you, not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. And you go, well, where is that found? Jeremiah 29, 11. Jeremiah 29, 11. Second Corinthians 4, 18 says, we don't look at things in the natural. We're not fixing our eyes on what is seen, but on what is unseen. The God who sits on the throne, who is faithful and true, he is a righteous judge, and his mercy triumphs over his wrath. If God is for us, who can be against us? See, while Paul was in prison, he painted a masterpiece by writing the book of Romans. And when you read Romans, we need to do a series on Romans, but Romans chapter 8 might be one of the greatest pieces, like one of the greatest painting masterpieces that Paul wrote. Because in Romans chapter 8, he begins to write this, there is now no condemnation for those who are, it's like he's thinking redemptive thoughts. 
I'm going to think myself happy by reminding myself, I am not condemned. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. God did not send his son to condemn the world, but to save the world. Paul was thinking redemptive thoughts. Then he gets to Romans 8, verse 28. And my God will work all things together for my good, for those who are called according to his purpose. And what shall separate me from the love of God? Neither height nor depth, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons. There is nothing. I am convinced that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Paul was thinking hope-filled thoughts even during a bad moment in his life. I'm not saying that you can think yourself happy and fix all the stuff around you. I'm saying you can think yourself happy even when nothing gets fixed around you. And you go, well, what's the alternative? The alternative is to let all the unfixed things around you determine your attitude. Or you can do like Paul and say, I'm going to let my attitude determine what's going on out here. The inside is going to control the outside, regardless of what happens on the outside. Regardless, number four, I think thoughts that stir up laughter and joy. We need to laugh more. <laughs> we had a comedian here the other night named Tim Hawkins. And how many of y'all were here for Tim Hawkins? He was in the room and he was making everybody laugh. And someone sent me a video. They, they were sending me several videos. And they said, this guy is so funny. The church needs to laugh more. They're like, the church has just gotten so like, just like we're wound up, we're just offended, and, 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 and you know, people are angry at each other. The church needs to loosen up. We need to laugh more. We need to lighten up. Y'all, the world has so many things going on in it right now that is stressing them out. But when they see a church that's full of life and joy, when we got real smiles, not just fake Instagram selfie smiles, but real smiles on the inside, and we got to stir it up. Laughter, listen, when a baby is born, a baby laughs up to a hundred times a day at its, at its, uh, in its infancy as a baby. We got Gianna, she's always laughing. Every time I look at her, she's like, she's laughing. Mac's face, throw Mac's face back up on the screen. If we got Mac, I wanna just, we just need to look at Mac's face for a second. Look at that right there. He's just full of joy. But did you know by the time you reach 23, you laugh less than 20 times a day? And some of us in the room were going, I can't remember the last time I laughed. And, and we might even think, well, coming to church is not the place to laugh. We are here to be holy, not to be happy. I go to Krispy Kreme to be happy. I go to church to be holy. <laughs> we will go everywhere outside the church searching for happiness. And then we want to come to church and go, I want a pastor that just yells at me and makes me feel miserable. And that's how I know he's theologically correct. No, you need to be reminded that the same scriptures that call you to be holy also call you to be happy. Well, show me the references. I will. It's all through Psalms and Proverbs and Genesis and Revelation. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Another word for blessed is happy. So while Jesus is preaching the most famous sermon on the mount, he says, happy Happy are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Happy are the peacemakers. Happy, happy. Jesus wanted his church to be full of life, not full of sadness, full of life. Happy. 
So we have like text threads that stir up laughter. My friend Daniel, he'll send me memes and things that just make me laugh. The other day I was looking at one and I was busting up laughing to myself, by myself. And Liam walks over and he's like, what are you laughing about? And I was like, well, my friend sent me something on Instagram and it's hilarious. And he was like, I want to see. So, you know, I'm sitting there and he doesn't get it because it was like, it was like over his head. And uh, there's been moments though where Liam has asked me, he's like, dad, are you happy? I'm like, yes, I'm happy. And he's like, okay, you don't seem very happy right now. Like the other day we were driving to school and we were late and I was a little stressed because we had worked hard to be on time. But you know, our five-year-old, our seven-year-old, our eight-year-old and me was not always acting the sharpest that morning to get everything in the car on time. And so we're running late and Liam just asked me, he goes, daddy, are you happy? I go, yes, Liam, I'm happy. He's like, you don't look very happy. I was like, I'm happy, Liam. And he's like, whoa. Benny goes, you're not happy, daddy. You're not, you're frustrated. You look frustrated. And Mac is like, you were frustrated at me. And so now, you just need to hang out with kids. If you need to laugh more, just be around kids. They start making me laugh, and I was like, you're right. Daddy's sorry. I was being mean. I'm sorry. Daddy was being stressed. I'm sorry. And I had to apologize, and they were like, it's okay, Daddy. We forgive you. We just like you more when you're happy. <laughs> Can I tell you, God wants to see you walking in happiness. Now, he's not going to sacrifice your long-term good for short-term happiness, but he does want you to choose happiness. He wants you to choose joy. He wants you to go, even though I'm walking through a trial, I'm not going to let it determine my happiness. I'm going to choose to rejoice. I heard a true story. There was a guy named Joey Grimaldi, famous comedian in the early 1900s. 1910, he was doing you know, his tour and he was trying to make people laugh and he was getting stressed out because he had to come up with new jokes every week. Anyone who's got to come up with new material every week Anyone who's got to preach new sermons every week, we got to take care of our minds because we can stress out thinking they've already heard this story. They've already heard this message. But Joey took it on himself. He got stressed because he just couldn't come up with enough new material to please the front row or the back row or whoever it was he was consumed with trying to impress. And by the way, when you live for the approval of man, you will die by the criticism of man. And if you don't die physically, you'll start dying internally. You'll just lose your happiness. You'll lose your joy because you'll be on a roller coaster of letting people decide whether you're happy or sad. Our security is not supposed to be tied to people. That's a trap. We've got to get our security and our identity tied to God. It's never shaky. It's never got inflation or deflation. It's steady. He's a steadfast, loving God. Never changes, never fails. But Joey Grimaldi got stressed because he wasn't hearing enough laughter. He wasn't getting enough applause, and he was thinking, I got to come up with new material, new material, and it was stressing him out. So he got to this one city, and he collapsed. Now, he had his posters up around the city, but this was before Instagram, before there was, you know, like, before there was any technology where they could post nice pictures, so it was drawings of, of Joey's face. Come see Joey Grimaldi. You know, people would draw it, and they would print the posters, and kind of like a newspaper back in the day, the newsies, they get those papers out there and a sketch of Joey. So, so his, his sketch is up there, his face and his posters. He collapses in the city from stress. By the way, a lack of laughter and an increase of stress will physically harm you. Uh, it does lead to sooner death, and it does lead to burnout, and it leads to 
uh, it leads to so many different sicknesses, diseases. And so he goes to the doctor and the doctor is looking at him, checking on him. He says, I can't figure out what caused this, you know, collapse. Um, but he said, you're, you're in a rough place. He said, you, you look rough. How old are you? And he said, I'm like 37. He goes, you look like you're 57. Like he, he had aged. And, he's, and uh, he said, you need to go see a comedian. There's a comedian in town tonight. His name is Joey Grimaldi. He says, that's me. And he goes, you don't look like the guy on the poster. He says, well, I've aged a little bit. He said, when they draw that poster, he said, six months ago. He said, what have you been doing for the last six months? He said, I've been on tour trying to make people laugh. And he's like, this thing is aging you way faster than it should. And some of us are losing life because we're not laughing enough. Laughter strengthens your immune system. Laughter makes you a healthier person. Laughter raises your mood. Laughter can reduce pain and increase the healing process when you're walking through emotional trauma. So if you're going through something that's been traumatic in the last year, last two years, make yourself laugh more. It's good for you. And if you're like, I don't know, you know, I lost a loved one and I think they're up in heaven just wanting to see me cry all the time. No, they're up in heaven saying, it's okay to smile. It's okay to laugh. It's okay. Like when I lost my dad, I honestly thought that I was displeasing him if I had laughter. For those first six to eight months, I was like, I just don't want to be disrespectful to the dead. I don't want to be disrespectful to my father. And then I had this epiphany. My dad's not up in heaven going, I hope he stays depressed on another year. He was up in heaven going, Paul, life is still worth living. There's still a reason to smile. There's still a reason to laugh. It's good for your marriage. It's good for you. It's good for the church. It's good for your life to choose joy, to choose joy. And number five, I think myself happy by being generous. See, generous people are happier people. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. So the other day, our kids have been begging for a basketball goal because our basketball goal broke last year. So we've been without a goal for like the last year. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna get them a goal. You know, we had enough money to get a basketball goal. And I was at Dick's Sporting Goods and they were like, do you want us to come and set it up? I was like, no, I got this. Plus I don't wanna spend any more money. So I was like, I'm gonna build this by myself, all by myself. And so I get home and I'm looking at it and I had an off day. And so on my off day, I was like, I'm going to do this as a labor of love. I'm a generous person for the kids. So I'm putting it together. And in my mind, I was like, I can do this in two hours. Y'all, I was outside for eight and a half hours and I was getting frustrated. I like, it was hot. It got to 95 degrees. This basketball goal is not working. The screws are not going in the places. I'm like talking to this goal in the name of Jesus. This is going to work. It's getting windy. It's hot and it's windy and I'm getting burned. And y'all, I was laying there. The backboard is just on top of me. And Mac and Ellie kept coming out over there and they're like, daddy, when you, when are you going to play with this? I was like, go away. Daddy is working for you guys right now. And, you know, I was like, Ashley, you got to pull the kids away because Mac and Ellie and Gianna, they kept walking near me, not Gianna, but Mac and Ellie were, they kept coming over there. And Mac was like, mommy, daddy is stressed right now. Don't talk to daddy right now. And, and I was getting stressed. I was getting frustrated. This was taking longer. It was harder. It was difficult. And then these two guys who are friends of mine, they were nearby and they're like, do you need help? I was like, yes, I do need a little bit of help right now. So they came over. They helped me get it up in 20 minutes. They had it up. And I was sitting there. And then Liam and Benny get home around 5 p.m. They're like, awesome, a basketball goal. And they just start shooting on it. And I was like, 
you don't know what I went through for you guys. You don't know the pain and the misery that this thing put me through. And I'm just sitting there and I'm shaking my head. I'm stressed. And Ashley could tell. So I sit down in our rocking chair. Our rocking chair was broken. I bought it at Walmart. It's broken. So I had to take the screws out. I'm fixing the rocking chair. And I finally sit down in that rocking chair. I just felt like a grumpy old man. I'm just sitting there. (laughs) You know, I'm 37 years old, but I'm just grumpy. But I'm sitting there and watching all the kids out there. And all of a sudden, I just start like tearing up, happy tears. And I was like, this is what I prayed for. When I was in high school and college, I prayed that one day I'd have kids and that we'd play basketball together. I remember watching the movie Father of the Bride and he plays basketball with this little girl and I, here I am outside and I've been stressed all day about something I prayed for 15 years ago. And I just started repenting and Ashley came over. She's like, what are you crying about? I said, I'm sorry for being stupid today. And she goes, it's okay. Why do you think you were stupid today? I was like, thanks for helping me get through this. You're counseling me. Come on. I'm thankful for Pastor Ashley, my wife, beautiful woman of God, really good at helping me to evaluate when I was being dumb. And she's like, what, what did you learn today? I was like, well, I need help putting together things. I'm not like your dad. Her dad can fix it. Like he's so good at fixing stuff. And I was like, I thought I could do it by myself. I got stressed and frustrated. She was like, yeah, Mac said that you, you got upset. And I was like, I'm sorry. So I go over to Mac, I hug him. And he's like, it's okay, daddy, we forgive you. He's like, are you happy now? <laughs> Turn to that person next to you and say, are you happy yet? Are you happy yet? I want the band to come out. I want the band to come out. See, I think we get unhappy sometimes because we, we make life about us. And we get stressed and we get selfish and we get prideful and we become entitled. But the more that we can be generous and help others and love others, no strings attached, and just just be happy, just choose to be happy. Number six, I think myself happy by singing praise and worship. This This is true. Releasing, like singing actually does change your chemicals. It changes your brain. Singing praise and worship literally lifts your spirit up. You can sing all kinds of songs. You can sing, you can rap, you can sing all the songs you hear on the radio. You can sing songs that are bad for you. You can sing lyrics that aren't helpful. But when you sing lyrics that are just lifting up God's name, I still got a reason to praise. You got that, playing that key, still got a reason to, to praise. Yeah. Yeah, keep playing it. Mmm, that's good, Josh. I like that. Because mm-hmm. you're the God of the breakthrough. When I'm breaking down, you'll be making a way through. When there's no way out, this one thing I know, you're still on the throne. So whatever I'm feeling, I still got a reason to praise, praise, praise. Oh, I still got a reason to praise. All right, hold up. This is what you need to sing when you're putting together the basketball goal. When you're building that toy, when you're waiting to get married, 
when you see everyone else having miracles, blessings, they get a car, they have kids, they get married, and you're going, when is it gonna happen for me? I'll be happy once this happens. No, you gotta be happy today. Plant a seed of happiness today. Psalm 130 says that those who sow in tears will reap a harvest of joy. Those who plant in tears will reap songs of joy. I've got to sow a seed that today is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice. David said this while spears are getting thrown at him, slander's coming against him, his son Absalom takes him to war. His own son wanted to kill him. And David says, this is the day. Somebody say, this is the day. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice. David put his will in front of his field. He put his will in front of his field. What does that mean? My will is stronger than how I feel. Just because I feel sad doesn't mean I have to be sad. Just because I feel discouraged doesn't mean I can't exercise my will over my discouragement. To say, even though I feel angry, stressed, slandered, betrayed, let down, disappointed, I will rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I will be strong in the Lord. David said, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice in it. Number seven, here's my last point right here. I think myself happy by appealing to a higher court. This is what Paul the apostle did. He said, this is not the court system that decides my happiness. This is not, this legal battle is not going to determine whether I'm happy. King Agrippa, no offense to you. You're not in charge of my happiness. Paul said, he looked at the Jewish council, the Sanhedrin, the religious people, he says, you're also not in charge of my, whether you accept me or reject me. He looked at Festus, Festus and Felix, the governors who just used him as a political ploy. You're not in charge of my happiness. He would even look at Nero, Caesar, the Roman empire, the highest leader of his day and say, I'm appealing to an even higher court than you. The court that I'm appealing to is in heaven and it's been settled. He created me on purpose for a purpose and I will give him praise and I will be happy and I will rejoice and my best days are right. Come on, stand your feet all over this place. Somebody say, I think myself happy. Your thoughts are an elevator. They're either taking you up or taking you down. You can turn a prison into a palace, but if you're an unhappy person, you can turn a palace into a prison. You could be the richest man in the world and still be miserable. You could be the poorest man in the world and be the happiest person. It's not how much money you have. It's not who's in your life. It's what's inside you. I choose. Somebody say, I think myself happy. I think myself happy. I think myself. Just close your eyes all over this place. I want to pray for people in the room. The enemy has been messing with your joy. Maybe you've just felt knocked down. Maybe you've just felt tired. You felt weary. It's been hard to just feel joyful each day. Maybe there's a lot of things that have happened against you, or maybe there's just been things that you've been walking through. And, and today, this message was for you to get your happiness back, to get your joy back, to get your smile back. Not for anyone else's sake, but yours and God's. God cares about you. He cares about your well-being. He says, above all else, I pray that your soul would prosper, that you would be in good health. God wants to see you walking in victory on the inside. 
If you're here today and you just need to get your joy back, I want you to lift your hand up all over this room. You need to get your laughter stirred up again. The enemy's been messing with your laughter. It's like today's a great day to start laughing again, to start rejoicing again. Those who sow in tears, if you've been sowing in tears and you're ready to reap a harvest of joy, get your hand up. If you've been planting some tears lately, it's time to get ready for a harvest of songs of joy. Lastly, you're here today and you say, man, I just need to get right with God. I need to surrender to Jesus. I need to let him be Lord of my life. I need to receive his forgiveness. Today's your day. Raise your hand. This is your day for salvation. This is your day for redemption. It's your day for a new beginning. If you raise your hands for either of those, just leave your seat. Join me at this altar and we're just going to sing this song. I still got a reason to praise. Come on, it's time to reap a harvest of joy this morning. It's time to reap a harvest of songs of praise this morning. Morning. Go ahead, Lamar. Let's sing it out. You're the God of the breakthrough. When I'm breaking down, you'll be working away. When there's no way out, this Come on, it's time to get your joy back. It's time to get your laughter back. So whatever I'm feeling, I still got I used to watch her do a dance up on stage. She used to be the worship leader here at Victory. How many of y'all remember when Sharon used to, and 
She had a, a song she used to sing, a merry heart. Do it good like a medicine, like a medicine is a merry heart. Uh, but a broken spirit that uh, dries the bones, but a merry heart. Joy of the Lord. Mom used to just, but I didn't realize she would sing these songs while she was walking through trials. I always just thought she was good. <laughs> I think I was part of the trials that I was putting her through. I'm sorry, Mom. I'm sorry. Uh, we're just having a moment up here, just family healing right here. But you told a joke this morning between services that made me laugh about how they, the kids in Sunday school, uh, tell them real fast. Well, <laughs> I've always got a joke. In fact, my husband used to make fun of me because I'd take notes on jokes when people would speak. But uh, there was this little girl and she knelt down by her bed that night and said, Lord bless mommy and daddy and grandma and grandpa. And he, she said, and, and Lord, please take good care of yourself too because if, 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 if you don't, we're all sunk. <laughs> and her, uh, and so they, they went to church, came home, and she and her sister were walking her older sister, and she says to her older sister, she says, well, I, I just don't understand that part in his sermon about divers' diseases. She said, well, what does it matter to you, her older sister said, because you don't even know how to swim. Tell them about the one about they lost God. Okay, so Charlie and Joy, Joey, um, they were brothers. They were always troublemakers. And so uh, the whole town knew about them. And so their parents had tried a lot of different things to discipline them and finally decided, okay, we're gonna take them to church, but they were gonna just drop them off. So Joy got uh, sick that day and he had to stay in the bed. And so Charlie, they took Charlie anyway. So Charlie gets there and when the pastor of that church saw him walked in, they, you know, he just said, I'm gonna head this off at the, at the very front. So he says, Charlie, I want you to come back here to my office. So it, he goes to the pastor's office and he says, now Charlie, he said, I need to ask you a question. He says, where's God? And Charlie says, he doesn't say anything. He just sits there and he says, Charlie, where's God? Charlie's real quiet and he didn't say anything. He says, Charlie, I'm gonna tell you for the third time, I'm gonna ask you, where's God? Charlie jumps up, runs out of the office and runs out of the church and all the way home, runs into Joy's room. He says, Joy, he says, get up quick. We gotta get out of here because he said, the church has lost God, they're blaming us with it. Come on. My mom's got hundreds of jokes, if you ever need to ask her some. But, <laughs> hey, listen, it's good, it's good. This week, stir up some laughter this week, stir up some gratitude. It's a very practical word, but it's, it's so true that if we can do that, if we can do that and be that light wherever we are, just bring in life, bring in joy. I really think that the world is so stressed, so overwhelmed, People are afraid. People are afraid about next year, afraid about the economy. But if we can walk into situations with a sense of joy, like Paul the Apostle and say, I think myself happy, that we, we carry that spirit of life while people are, are, are facing death all around us. We bring a fragrance 
of joy. So Lord, I just pray over every person in this room, God, that we would take this word, apply it. God, that it would just be strong. Help us to take the meat, spit out the bones, God. I thank you, Lord, that we would dig into the word and let this really just take root in our lives. Just a, an attitude of gratitude, God, just a spirit of joy and life. Just pray this with me. Say, Jesus, thank you that you died on the cross. You rose from the dead. I repent of my sins and I receive your forgiveness. I receive your grace, your joy, and the devil can't take it away. So I'm going to walk in joy. My best days are right in front of me and I have victory in my life because you live inside of me. In Jesus' name, amen.